I live in that house you've seen on the news. We painted it robin's egg blue the summer I turned 16, but in your mind it's white. Two little pink bikes lean against the veranda, and one wall glows blue with the reflected light of a police car. They use the same picture every time there's news. It's not worth the expense to send a photographer out to get a fresh one. Not when they want the two little bikes and that streak of blue. Nobody wants to see proof that one of those little girls grew up. The sign above the door to the combined general store and post office read, Please keep closed, aircon running and slanted texter. But if it was going, it was losing against the hazy late summer heat. Mina remembered the blast of cold air when they pushed open the door as kids. Usually when their mother, worn down packing a dozen errands into a single trip into town, agreed to stop for an ice cream. Either the air conditioner had grown too old, or electricity prices too high, or Mrs Gilligan had hit that age where skin stretched over bone, and the hottest day was too cool for comfort. Mina supposed she could ask, but when you asked people personal questions, they felt comfortable asking them back. You're here for your delivery, Dal? Mrs Gilligan asked. The general was closer to a convenience store than a supermarket but it was still the only place in Nanine to buy groceries. She'd felt awkward the first few times she turned up to collect a package that was clearly a bulk load of dry goods and cans, but Mrs Gilligan had never commented, never even gave her a sideways look. Mina preferred the people who did comment, at least when a person sniped to a face she knew exactly where they stood. The ones who seemed nice could stay a question mark forever. It's in the back, Mrs Gilligan said, pushing herself up off the stool. I've checked the attached invoice and there are a couple of items missing. She slid the invoice across the counter. I do have these all in stock at the moment. Mina skimmed the list, hoping it would be the junk food she'd added on impulse, or the batteries they could wait another six weeks. But no, the missing items were vital. The canned beans, two out of the five bags of dried lentils, and the ground cumin. She drummed her fingers on the counter, doing the maths in her head. The cumin was the key to a lot of recipes, particularly the deep pantry rummages she leaned on in the last days of a grocery cycle. Some days she was nearly out, but couldn't face the trek into town. Those days had made her an expert in the sort of cooking that would have made her great and great-great-grandmothers proud. The door opened behind her and a man shuffled in. She studied his warped reflection in the glass door of the cigarette cabinet. He was tall and broad, wearing a black pullover and cargo pants despite the heat. He had a black knitted cap on, but what she could see of his hair was blonde, with the fuzzy texture that might be curls if he used the right conditioner. His face was unfamiliar, an unusual quality here. Nanine was a barely populated town in central New South Wales, far enough off the highway that no travellers passed through searching for hot pies and public toilets. The seasonal workers at the surrounding farms were all in place by this point in the year. Mrs Gilligan straightened her posture, looking at him with an open curiosity that meant Mina wasn't out of the loop on any gossip. He was a new face, and that sent anxiety slicing through her gut. She walked away from the counter with quick steps. She kept her eyes on the lower shelves as she passed the man, as if she were fascinated by the cheapest available floor cleaner. Even though she rarely shopped there, 
She had the layout of the store and the location of all of her typical items memorised. Three aisles, six shelves, and a row of fridges and freezers at the back. She was conscious of the man as she moved about. He drifted from one side of the store to another, throwing items in his basket with barely a glance at the shelves. Every time he passed the end of an aisle she was in, he turned his head and swept his gaze over her. That was normal, she reminded herself. If he was new in town, he would have no idea what was where in the store. And it was human nature to turn and look at the only other person in the vicinity as he passed. It was normal. He wasn't watching her. She grabbed the bag of cumin off the rack and threw it in a basket, her arm whipping out like she was trying to snatch a live bird from the air. An anti-shoplifting mirror hung from the ceiling, and in it she saw the man come to a stop at the end of her aisle. He examined the display of chips in front of him, but flicked his eyes to the side once to look at her. She planted her feet and stared down at a basket, dragging in a deep breath. He wasn't the first person to watch her, but this was the first time one of them had shown up in public. He was waiting for her, waiting until she pushed past him on her way back to the checkout. How long could the two of them stand there, pretending to be interested in their respective displays? Sweetheart, Mrs Gilligan said, her voice warm and low. Mina startled, her groceries rattling in the basket. Her hyper-awareness had been focused on him, so she hadn't noticed Mrs Gilligan circling around to come the other way. Can you get that can of tinned peaches off the top shelf for me? Save me grabbing the step stool. With her chin, she indicated a shelf where some customer far taller than the diminutive Mrs Gilligan had changed their mind and abandoned the peaches among the condensed milk. She smiled, the message clear in her eyes. I see you're upset. Don't forget I'm here. Mina smiled back. Say what you want about small towns, but if you're one of theirs, they know when to huddle up and raise the shields.